Big brakes, big wheels, and super beetles are some of the things we talk about on this episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Hey everybody, it's me, Bill T, back again with another fantastic show for you today. On this episode of the podcast, we talk to Lanner Khan with VW Engineering. Lanner, who lives in Alberta, Canada now, is one of our brothers from up north, one of our Canadian homies. I met him years ago at the VW Classic weekend. We got to kicking it, found out what he did, and I ended up putting a set of big turbo brakes on the carbon cab. So go ahead and take your first shot. If you're waiting for me to mention one of my cars, now's your chance. But he helped me with uh, figuring out what setup to put on there, getting the brakes that I wanted to fit on my car on my car, not fitting whatever fits on there. So that's what VW Engineering does. Whatever brake setup you want to fit on your ride, bug, bus, gear, type one, two, three, for whatever whatever type you got, Lanner can help you do that. His website at vwengineering.com has got a lot of different adapters and modifications that you can upgrade your brake package. We talk a lot about off-the-shelf junkyard stuff that you can pick up just to put on your Super Beetle, your daily driver, and some of the minimum modifications that you need to make to do a four-wheel disc brake setup. But before we get going, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW. Gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body to pan kits. All constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out rosswolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to rosswolf.com and check back often for an always expanding catalog. That's rosswolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. Rosswolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. Also, I want to wish you guys a happy 4th of July. Stay safe this weekend, and God bless America. On top of God bless America, you guys are blessed with new shirts. Check out our website at letstalkdubs.com. Go to the gear section to take a look at the pictures of our new shirts. And for this weekend alone, we'll be doing a sale, 20 bucks including shipping for the new shirts. So check them out. I'm sure there's something on there that you guys are going to dig. We got three new shirt styles plus the original What's Your VW Story shirt. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now I'll read a listener email from Deanna. She's wanted a bug her entire life and she finally found one. It's a 71. She knows everybody likes the older ones. She said, but, but it's what she could afford. It's kind of ratty, but I still love it. Did tons of maintenance and engine repair to make it safe to drive. She finally found someone to work on it, AV Motorsports in Fort Myers, Florida. Andy really took care of her and did some really awesome work. How hard is doing the interior, she said, or should I just pay someone? Novice, tinkerer, first bug, can you make some videos for beginners, and what do you think is the most important thing to tackle first? I just want to drive it around and enjoy it. Deanna, thanks for the email. My advice would be have the headliner done professionally, everything else you can do on your own. It takes a little bit of time, it's not too complicated, and we will be putting some videos out for that in the next two months, full interior installation. And if that doesn't work for you, you can also check out one of our previous podcasters that have been on here is Chris at Classic VW Bugs. He's got a bunch of online videos on how to do some stuff, but we'll be having some videos coming up for our Project 67 bug. Doing the interior is not super complicated. It's more about being uh, painstakingly diligent in doing the prior, doing the correct prep work to 
your spring seats, pads, all that stuff, spray paint in your frames and all that fun stuff. So it's not too complicated. The headliner takes a little bit of finesse and a little bit of tact. But uh, other than that, definitely something that you can handle on your own. Um, and we can suggest some people to get your interior from. If you shoot me an email, I'll give you some people that I would buy interior from. But until they're a paid sponsor, I can't give them out on the on the air. So thanks for your email, Deanna, and look forward to getting it. If you guys have any other questions or want some questions answered on the podcast, feel free to shoot me an email at billletstalkdubs.com. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Let's dig in deep with V-Dub Engineering, my buddy Lanner Khan up north in Canada, talk about brakes, super beetles, big wheels, and fun stuff like that on this week's podcast. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by VW Motors Security Blanket. All right, on today's show, I'm happy to welcome a friend of mine from Canada that we met down at the VW Classic a few years back. Uh, I, I knew him before that because he helped me uh, with some brake stuff. He had a cool little website I'd go check out on different brake conversions and whatnot. And so on uh, today's show, uh, welcome uh, Lanner Khan with uh, VW Engineering. Lanner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. Good to see you again. It's been uh, quite a few years since we last met, but uh, yeah. I've been watching Watching your podcast, it's awesome, man. You're keeping the Volkswagen spirit alive. Well, it's wicked. You know, I, and you helped me out a lot with my uh, with my crew cab. To give everybody a little bit of backstory, when I was building the crew cab, uh, I had some four-piston brake calipers left over from a 944 Turbo, and you and I had met down at the VW Classic, and I said, oh, man, I, I really like to get these brakes on there. You know, I just don't know. Uh, you know, it'd be super cool to see those big four piston calipers. And you're like, well, yeah, that's what I do, man. I can just get these things on there for you and I'll tell you what the, what you need and all this kind of stuff. And then you helped me out, told me everything that I need, machined my hubs and all that stuff. And then next thing I know, uh, I'm the only gangster boogie rolling with Porsche turbo brakes on my, uh, on my crew cab, man. And this was back in 2009. So it's, it's before everybody's getting into the, the big brake stuff and all that. And so I know that you know, when Lanner and I met before we talked, we had, we had a German look love connection. Like we like oh, that, sure. we, we like that German look. And so we always start the podcast with your VW story and how you got in a Volkswagen. So yeah. Lanner, what, what's your Volks, what, what is your VW story? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, like I, I'm always, I've always been the kid that takes things apart and then things like that. So, you know, I'm in my early teens here, 13, 14, and, uh, we used to live in an apartment building. I didn't even have a garage. And uh, one day on the road in front of uh, where we used to live, I see 405 Cal look slammed, full detail bugs pass by. I'm like, what are those? Like, I wasn't into Volkswagens or anything. I just saw these things, opened my eyes. And, you know, like, this is mid-90s, early 90s. And, um, you know, like like crazy detailed cars, right? The kind of cars you see in Cali. But up here in Canada, you're like, what are these? I think one of them had plexi deck lid, you know, all the old school right, cool right. stuff on them, right? And then that, like, you know, that, like, I was probably 14 at that point, And that just opened my eyes. I'm like, what is that car? I like it. And I want one. And I was living in an apartment at that time with my family. We, I didn't have anywhere to do it. And then a few years later, we bought a house. And as soon as we bought a house, I had my license. And it was on. I was on the search. So, I, you know, and I, like, I, was, I was committed. I said, I like these things. And I like 
you know, like I like technical stuff. I like, I had all the manuals, I'm reading them all. I'm like, I'm getting one of these, it's just a matter of time of finding a good one. So I even came across uh, an engine for sale, you know, back in the day you actually had newspapers, Penny Saber or something. You know, I'm like, hell yeah, I bought the engine, took it all apart, figured it out, and then I got a car, and my first car was a 72 Super Beetle, and I still have it, right? It's, it's all German looked and everything now, but right. that was the first car I had, and I did a full restaurant on that, pan off, you know, the whole deal, and then since then, I've been into it, man. I just, I like the Volkswagens. I like them for, you know, I, I mean, I like them, the Volkswagen scene's awesome, like you meet wicked people, like Across the board, I'll say every Volkswagen person's cool. Some people are more eccentric than others, you know what I mean? Right. Every Volkswagen person is cool. And, uh, you know, so I've always been in the scene and I've always had cars. And, you know, that's basically what started me off is just seeing those cars, right? And, uh, now, and that, it, yeah. It, it, it's funny, your, your first, you know, your first vision of Volkswagen that you see is like a cow looker, but then... Yeah. You know, you and I have had long conversations about about the German look, and and yeah. and that German look is such a unique look, and I, and I think part of because because my background was kind of the same. I remember when I started liking bugs. I think I, I, what made me like it originally is they could be cool and they were cheap and it was attainable. So then it fit in my budget. Yeah. Before I never even looked at them before. I thought they were like you know girls' cars or whatever, and. Then once I started getting into Volkswagens, then I start with the slammed and this, and then as I as my tastes evolve, then I see that German look, and it's like, mm-hmm. and I and I'm trying to encapsulate like what it is about the German look that that people love, and and for me it's it's kind of that that you know it's like it's like the the little kid dressed up in the tuxedo, you know what I mean? Like the kid's looking sharp, and he's and he looks like his big brother, and you know with the with the big brakes and the and and maybe it's the it's what it deserves to be. Yeah. You, yeah. You know what I mean? I, that's kind of my, my thing with the German look. And, and I tell you, man, uh, you know, I've never built a super. I want to build a super beetle coming up just because, you know, I, I want to see, you know, how far you could take a VW McPherson strut chassis and make mm-hmm. it really perform like, you know, when you're driving a Porsche. I mean, there really, there's no, there's no comparison driving a beetle. Uh, you know, a, a torsion beam front end car and then getting into a, any A-arm suspension car is completely different in the dynamics, yeah. you know, but yeah. um, what do you think it is that draws you to to the German look? So, like, my influence was, you know, so, like, I'm up in here in Canada, you see some cars, they're mainly um, Cal look, right? But it's a little isolated, right? Like, if you grew up in, like, where you are, Vegas or Cali, it's a huge scene, there's a lot of influence, and you kind of, you know, you take from your environment, right? So for me, I'm up here and, you know, there's not that big a scene at that time. And I used to go over to um, Chapters, which is like Barnes & Noble kind of deal, you know, flip through magazines. But they used to have a lot of the Euro magazines. So they had Volksworld. They had this German one. It was all in German. I couldn't read it, but I was just looking at the pictures, right? Right. And that's kind of like, I'm like, holy cow, this is what it could be. And like, I always had it in my mind that a Beetle is could be like, it's a mini 911, right? Like, I'm not saying it's a Porsche, but it can get there. It can get pretty close, right? Right. And for me, like, what I like about my cars, yeah, they have to look good and all that, but I'm not so much into that anymore. I just want a good driver. So, like, I want a car that has a nice steering wheel, nice shifter, nice brakes. It's comfortable. You can pack the family in there, and no one has to wear, you know, mouth guards. And that's what a German look can do because it can be comfortable on a long trip. It'll hit the highway, but it'll take the corners, right? Like, it's amazing. You got to build a super. Like, honestly, like, like uh, people hate supers, they call them fat chicks and all that. But I like you know I built supers and I want to build another one now. 
And, you know, I've had it all. I've had all type three and, uh, you know, buses and everything. You honestly can't build a super for a driver. Like, it's a wicked car, right? Yeah, and, uh, well, you know, and I think it'd be interesting to drive a, a Beetle yeah. with a curved windshield and a, and a big... Yeah a big dashboard and all that stuff. And it's just yeah. like with the buses, when I had my camper bus and I drove my late model camper bus, I mean, it was way more comfortable than my early yeah. bus. Yeah. You know? So I think the creature comforts are there. And then if you, yeah, got, you know, like, you know, and you know, like you and I are roughly the same age. We're not kids anymore. So right. I don't want that slammed bone jarring uh, ride. You know what I mean? So I always like the little comfort and I'm exactly like you. Like I, you know, I've had split buses and now I have a 78 Bay. My bay is my favorite <laughs> car to drive. It's so comfortable, right? Like it's got decent power. It's a Type Four. It's got decent power. It's comfortable inside. Lots of space for the kids and everything. Like, like, uh, yeah, I hate to say it. I, I like driving it better than I like driving a split bus, right? And uh, that's 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 kind of the comparison between a strut car and a beam car. You know what I mean? Like once you drive one, they're wicked, and yeah. definitely a curved shield, right? Like if you're looking, and if you can get a seventy-five plus rack and pinion, right? Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, so, for sure. so give us some of the, so, since you're heavy into the super beetle, like the, yeah. like known to look for, for German looks, let's say somebody's yeah. out there looking for a German looker. What, yeah. so, so you're talking about 75 and later being a better year because the yeah. rack and pinion. Yeah. Is there a lot of differences other than just the rack and pinion? Was that like the last, the last thing that they did? Yeah, pretty much. So like, you know, like 71, 72 is flat windshield, right? Then halfway through 73, they changed the suspension to a two-bolt strut, kind of like a 944. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, you can take a 944 strut and put it in a Super Beetle, right? With the spindle and all that jazz. Really? So, and then 75, they went to rack and pinion. So, I mean, that's those are changes, right? And, you, like, it's, it's hard to find because you're looking at for 75 to 77 because 78 was only verts. So, it's only those two, three years, I guess, 75, 76, 77. Those are the cars that, you know, I always look out for. I haven't found a decent one yet. Really? Uh yeah, but I love one because, like, the one I have is a flat windshield. It's not bad, but I definitely want a curved windshield, right? And, like, little things help on those, like, because, I mean, you know, if you're, you set up a German looker, you're going 80 miles on the highway easy. Yeah. And the curved windshield helps with the noise. You can get these little inserts on the on the rain gutter so you don't have all that wind baffling. Like, all these little things. And you have a car that, that you know, that's really impressive, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so that was my start with the cars, right? Like, my car was a 72 Super. And, uh you know, and, and, and since then, I've liked it. I've always done stuff to or modded them, you know. Like, I don't really build too many super parts for sale. Like, I'll do the brake kits, but, like, struts and stuff. I build my, for myself, I build my own struts. I've been thinking about doing some stuff like that, building some lower control arms, you know, for the front end. Like, things like that. I have kind of prototypes in, in clay, but that's, you know, that's definitely where it's, it's uh now, let me, now, let's talk yeah. a little bit about Super Beetle suspension. So, now you, you said, so... On the seventy-five, all yeah. the way up the the two bolt strut that you're talking about is yeah. that is that all the way up through seventy-seven? You can take like you said a nine forty-four front strut and put it right onto, like the spindle and everything bolt right onto the lower control arm. Yeah, so, yeah, seventy-three and a half uh -huh. was a, it switched over, and up is the two bolt strut, and the nine forty-four assembly goes in. You just need like a custom ball joint for the lower control arm, which you can get out of Europe. But, like, I've always had a problem with that. Even, like, my brake kits, I don't like custom stuff, right? right? Like, I like stuff. Like, all my brake kits, you see, like, it uses stock rotors, stock calipers, stock pads. You know, if I go under, you're not searching for consumables in a few years, right? Sure. Well, I always design my stuff around that. So, you can get those ball joints out of Europe, the Kersher ones. And um, 
But there's other ways to do it. You can use like a modified quantum, Volkswagen quantum, or a dasher ball joint. Or what I want to do is make a control arm that takes a 944 ball joint. So it's a replaceable ball joint. It just bolts in, no pressing. And there's some few other tricks I want to do with that because the A-arm is... Um, uses a sway bar as a as a stabilizer a reaction rod, uh -huh. right that's what stops the control arm from moving back and forth right and the control arm i'm working on it decouples that so then the sway bar is the sway bar and you have a solid link there that that swivels which you know just takes all the flex out of it all the rubber bushings and all that right mm -hmm. so you know th that's kind of the stuff I, I like tweaking with on my own car right but it is some of the things i want to build for for sale right but uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question about the 944 yeah. front strut because I'm stuck yeah. on that in my head. So yeah. a guy who's got a Super Beetle, yeah, can swap out a 944 front strut. They can go get it at a junkyard, bolt it yeah. right into their Super Beetle. Does it change the yeah. ride height? Yeah, you'd probably want to shorten the strut body. That's what I've done before, because the strut body itself will be a little longer. But you uh -huh. can just cut and shorten it down, and then use the 944 spindle. So now you have all the brakes and everything done. And you get the the custom ball joint out of Europe, and you're done, right? And so on putting that 944 front, the the rear bolts right onto a Super Beetle of a 944. Yeah. So those yeah. guys out there that that are that have Super Beetles that are looking for a way to to mod them instead of running wheel adapters, you can go to your wrecking yard and pull a yeah. set of 83 and later 944 struts, and those will bolt in the front with minor modification and you need a custom ball joint. I'm sure that, that you can link them up with on your website. Um, yeah. And then we'll also put a link to that in the podcast description. But you can go to a wrecking yard and get rear. Do the trailing arms bolt in too? Or what, what, do, you, what do you need yeah. off the 944 rear? To, to, let's say you, want, you, you got a Super Beetle and you want to convert yeah. it to five lug Porsche all the way around and do a brake upgrade while you're at it. Yeah, for sure. So, like, if you have an IRS rear end, so not even Super Beetle, just regular, right? Um, the whole 944 assembly would all bolt in, 83 to 85. The whole backing plate, hub, everything. The only I make a handbrake adapter, so it, it works with stock Beetle handbrake cables, mm -hmm. right? And uh, that's all there is to it. So you'd have the whole setup. I mean, that's stage one. Stage two would, if you, you wanted wider and fancier, you can take the later 944 aluminum trailing arms, so they're like a 911 sort you know 911 set of aluminum trailing arms bolt that whole thing in you got to modify a little bit on the uh for the spring plate you need longer axles but you can take all that stuff from the 944 right yeah and that gives you a little wider but you know wider isn't bad like you know the volkswagen crowd's always worried about how what's the offset how much does it kick out my wheels right but that's not necessarily bad because you take a modern porsche offset wheel you need it to stick out so the and the wheel is so deep that you get your scrub radius back right yeah so so, I mean, that's, you know, like seven ET50s or 55 wheels, you know, fit under any Beetle or bus stock fenders, right? And Because uh, uh, I know on the Super Beetles, I think the rear end is, it always seems like the rear end is a little narrower than a regular Beetle, but I would assume they're the same size. Maybe the fender, maybe they widen the body and thinned out the fender, or is it the same? No, no, it's all the same. So, like basically from the A-pillar back, right? Like not counting the curved windshield, it's all the same, right? Really? And yeah. the offset and all that stuff is the same, so yeah, exact same, yeah. And if you go longer or wider in the rear, it helps with the with the wheels that have a positive offset. Yep. For like yeah. the the Boxster wheels and whatnot. Now, what are yeah. so? Let's say because we're gonna do so before we get into you know VW engineering and how you started doing all that stuff. Because you've yeah. got the knowledge and I've got you on the podcast. I'm a guy with a Super Beetle. I want to yeah. do 
as many bolt-on things that I can do from brakes to wheels to just get my Super Beetle looking stance. Yeah. I'm going to the wrecking yard and I'm looking for what? Basically 83 to 85, 944. Grab like the whole rear setup. You don't need the trailing arms. They're the same thing as a Beetle, mm-hmm. but the brakes, the hubs, all caliper, rotor in the front, you can take the whole strut. But if you have a, like if you already have a two bolt strut Super Beetle, then you just take the spindles out, right? So everything from the spindle out, rotor, caliper, all that stuff, and it'll all bolt on. So that's what I'm, there's a lot of interchangeability. Like when Volkswagen built the 944, which was in the 80s, mm-hmm. they just, you know, it's, I don't know if you call it a real Porsche, right? You get that whole conversation going. They just looked at the parts and see what we got. You know, those rear trailing arms look good on the Beetle. All right, let's bring those over. The front struts, are on a Mark I uh, Rabbit. Those look good. Let's bring those over. So these Mark I Rabbit, Porsche 944, Late Beetle, a lot of the same parts. You know oh, what I mean? wow. Yeah. 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 No, that's pretty impressive. And then wheels, I mean, you're talking, you can go to Wrecking Yard, get a set of wheels and brakes off of 944, and yeah. you'd probably be all dialed in in a weekend, huh? Yeah. You get those custom ball joints in the front, and that's all that you know, and some handbrake adapters for the back, and you can sort it all out, right? Yeah. Like when I like now, they're a little harder to find, but you know, I used to, I used to just buy the whole car. You know, you buy a whole nine forty four for like six eight hundred bucks. Sure, pull everything you want off it, scrap the rest, and you're golden, right? So, yeah, yeah no, that's sure. I mean that's hugely impressive. And then, yeah. so you got into Volkswagens because of you know your passion for what you saw, and then you get your Super yeah. Beetle. And then how far into owning your Super Beetle do you start going down the, the German look path? I mean, is that because you get a Super and then you start hanging out with the VW guys or it was like, oh, you got the late model, you got this. You're like, no, 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 I can still make this one cool. Yeah, so for sure. Right yeah, away, like, do you go into going the German yeah, so look I route? Had, like I had it fully restored. I did the whole thing, right? And I drove it maybe a summer. Um, and it was basically stock, except the front was lowered like two inches. I said, this won't do. So I lowered it. You know, I was a kid, so I lowered it, slammed it, right? Right. As low as you can get with the little 135 stinger out the back, you know, how it was, and uh, rolled around like that for a couple of years. And then that got a little tiring because I was kept, you know, like the the frame head in the front kept digging, right? So I'm like, I don't, I don't enjoy driving this. It's rubbing the fenders. It's digging the ground. I'm getting pulled over by the cops for the stinger. It's not really that enjoyable. So the first thing, I, when I had it slammed, was really basic. I the tie rods, they come in from the top, so the, they were hitting on the on the inner fender, right? Right. So, like now, it's no big deal. You can buy those bump steer bus- bushings, right? You can flip the tie rods around. At that point, you know that like you couldn't get it them out here. There was a place in Europe that would sell them. It was hard, so hard to get them. So I go to a machine shop. I said, you know, can you guys flip these over, like ream them, taper ream them on the other side? Like I don't know anything at this point, right? Like I have a drill press at home, and that's it. Right, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, you know." He goes, "If you could give me another set of spindles, I'll cut that piece out, machine it, and reverse it, and put it in on the other one." I said, "Okay, no problem." I find another set of spindles, take them all this stuff. He says, "Leave it with me. Check back in a couple of weeks. He can't do it. Check back again. He can't do it." And like one of my pet peeves in life is waiting on people, right? Like it's not that I'm in a rush, but I just want to know that if someone says it'll be a month, it's a month. But if it's a month and you come back. And then it's another month, like that kind of stuff really gripes me. So yeah, so that that's how I started machining. So I'm like, all right, if you can't do this, I'll figure out how I can do this at right. home, right? So uh, so that's when I bought a lathe. So I bought a lathe in my parents' one car garage. I got my Beetle parked there, the lathe there, and uh, 
and uh, I started doing stuff there. That's why I started I made those bushings. I did that kind of stuff, little stuff, right? And then uh, for the lo local crowds, I made um, drill plates. You know, if you want to put on four by hundred wheels, I can redrill your drums. That kind of stuff, right? Sure. So I started doing all that, and like that basically was the start. Just because you know people wouldn't do what you know, like they wouldn't do it, right? And um, it's just funny, like because all this was in a one car garage with my Beetle, and like I've never haven't painted my Beetle since it's been 25 years and there's all these dents and dings on the hood because i'd be drilling away here and something get away on me or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the, funny all so that stuff gets, is still there it but, gets caught you know, in the lathe and starts beating the super yeah, beetle huh exactly so th that's how it all started and then i put different wheels on it you know four and a hundred you know 16s and they look cool and i put 17s and 18s and then had regular gear brakes it was kind of boring i'm like you know let's see what i can do to make all this stuff fit right right and uh that's where it started so then i started i made my own hubs for the car to put porsche brakes on it and it, you know it was basically like what i do now was because it's i it's a glorified hobby it's stuff i wanted to do for myself yeah and then i figured it out and then people are like oh you know can you do this for me and it kind of grew from there right so uh yeah so, so when you get the lathe i mean you have any idea how to use a lathe when you get it or you just kind of figure it out as you get it yeah, yeah, I just got it, and I'm like, oh, I can figure this out, right? And that's what I mean about all the dents on the Beetle, because stuff got away on me, right? Sure. But, yeah, but, you know, it's been that, that was more than 20 years ago, right? So I've always fiddled around. It, it, it's powerful, right? Like, I bought that late just so I could make those little bushings, and, you know, then I'm making hubs, I'm doing this. I'm, so, like, it's, it's, you know, it's like any tool. Once you have a tool, you figure it out. You don't know what that tool can do for you until you actually have it in your hands, right? Yeah. So then I... You know, and then I got a mill and, you know, just machine tools. Like, I've always done manual machining. There's no fancy CNC or anything. The kind of stuff I do is really niche, right? So, you know, it keeps me busy, but it's not like I'm making hundreds and thousands of these parts, right? So, and, yeah, that's how it went, right? Now, and, like, I was telling you, like, this was, this all started in my parents' garage, and then my dad wouldn't let me buy a welder. He was scared I'd burn the place down, right? <laughs> so I used to cut all these parts and machine all these parts, and then... uh one of my buddies, uh, Steve Batozzi, 67 Deluxe on uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, he was my, me and him are each other's hype man. So, like, I'd go over to his garage, he had a big shop, and we'd set it all up, and we'd do some welding. Then I started making beams, bus beams, and bug beams. You know, like, that's how it all kind of started going. Just And, like, it was mainly just stuff for me and stuff for my friends, right? And that's how it kind of, you know, word got out, and it kind of went from there, right? Yeah. But uh, and, and I know that you've spent... It, the thing I've always wondered, right? So just recently, I was my, my son, um, I picked up a Datsun from a friend of mine. And so we were lowering it, obviously, a little Datsun pickup. And I went with my son and I said, you know, went to the auto parts place. And I said, well, let's go get some lowered shocks for the thing. And I told the guy, like, don't you have a chart with shocks so I can just look at the open and close dimension and then I can figure out, you know, the setup the way that I want it, whatever the case is. And, and to some degree, I keep thinking, man, these guys that do all these hub modifications and all this stuff, they've got to get the IDs for these hubs and the ODs for the spindles and all that stuff. Like, how are you finding out all that stuff, all those tolerances? Because that's some pretty precise stuff to get figured out. I mean, is there, how did you get into getting all that stuff? Is it just trial and error? Is it just miking everything and then making pieces? And because that seems pretty tedious to me. Yeah, like, so, like, in general, like, you know, the more kits I did, the more base spindles I have. So, like, I pretty much have a spindle of anything Volkswagen because, you know, if someone says they need a Type 3 drum, 
poor setup. I have that spindle. I can work off it, right? So I use that, you know, all that information I have there. I look at factory, like, you know, like, obviously the factory has a huge R&D department when they design the stuff. So I look at their stuff. I reverse engineer from there. You know what I mean? And then I, you know, like my background's mechanical engineering. So I use some of that, right? I, you know, you go through, check out bearing fits and see what you want to do and what the applications are. And you go from there, right? So, and like everything I do, I always make a drawing for myself. So I have this drawing. So next time around, I have to do something. It's all been figured out, right? Like, uh, you know, like, like, they, you know, like they say, like, like engineers aren't lazy. They're just efficient. So it's like, you right. always, you don't want to do the same thing twice, right? Yeah. So that's. So that's what I mean. So like I have all that figured out, but yeah, it took a while, right? Like I like I've been at it twenty years now, right? Um, yeah, it took a while, but you know, like now it's 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 like it's easy, it's easier for me because you know, like I have it figured out. Like I love when someone comes to me and say, "Oh, I want to do this and this and this," and I've never done it before. I'm all over that because that's like a that's a brain tease for me, right? Like the, how can I make this work? The challenge, I, yeah. I'm sure yeah, nobody's exactly. nobody's ponied up a set of used. Uh, a ceramic composite brakes to try to put onto a car because that would be a little too that costs more than the whole Volkswagen I think if you yeah no <laughs> I, I like I've never worked on those like the crazy side I did a Cayenne setup for a guy once but um one of my buddies out in uh, Netherlands Wally mm-hmm. he's got a crazy Super Beetle it's like 400 horsepower really and, uh, yeah it's nuts and he had a set of ceramics on his car really it was yeah it's wild the car is wild. This thing is ridiculous, and it's yeah. a it's an air cooled beetle. Yeah, Type Four. It's not even it's not even huge. It's like two point two or two point three, dual dual scroll turbo EFI. It's nuts. Oh, so yeah. he's right. He's turbocharged. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You get into that power level, yeah. Yeah. You gotta be turbo. But even like even in like uh, Toronto area, one of my buddies Brian has a two liter Type Four turbo, and he did uh, just a crack under three hundred at the wheels. No way. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. EFI. He's nuts too. Of course, yeah. You got to get into that. So are, are you? So you run an EFI on your on your Super Beetle? Not yet. Like I I started EFI like ten years ago, and then <laughs> shit happened, kids happened, you know, marriage happened, and I moved out here and I kind of put it on the side. But right now, that is something I'm working on myself, right? And you know, like same thing. I like tinkering. I'm not, you know, I can go out, drop some money, and buy a kit but that's no fun for me right so what i'm working on now i got a a micro squirt it's going to go on a type 4 Mm -hmm. with a um, honda vrf 800 throttle bodies off a motorcycle right really yeah so that's and it's it's close i it should run this summer like i have a lot of stuff figured out right so are you going to do uh dual dual intake or dual uh dual throttle throttle yeah now why now i'm just curious why i've seen some cars in europe that i've seen that are efi uh yeah. have single throttle bodies like behind the shroud stuff like that yeah what's is is there a big difference between going dual and single throttle bodies and what's the what's the main variable as far as performance because it, it would seem to me easier to tune a car with a single throttle body wouldn't it uh yeah you're right because with a single throttle body you always have a vacuum right so you can always rely on your map signal with a dual throttle body once you get past a third throttle, it's atmospheric. Like there's no restriction on that intake, right? So you kind of kind of tune it a little different. You tune it tune it on your off your TPS, but uh, but an independent throttle body, you open those things up and it like the revs are ridiculous. The throttle response is crazy, right? Like it, and my my intention is in on this setup is to keep it normally aspirated, but uh, 
if I was turboing, I'd go single. It's just easier with a single throttle body to turbo, sure. right? Less piping and all that jazz. But either way, man. Well, you you know you got EFI on your thirty four, right? Uh, yeah, the thirty four I used to own. Yeah, I had EFI on there, and yeah, the big I difference. Mean, is that- you it's know, butter, right? Yeah, it's well, nice. Yeah, I had the dual throttle body setup that was on. Yeah. It was a CB performance setup that was on there, and then I had the SDS uh, EFI brain. Matter of fact, I have an extra one. I was just looking at it, um, oh, yeah, sitting under the the bench because I had bought uh, Pip a few years back. Had a big, huge monster turbo intercooled yeah. setup that was on a Beetle that he had, and it was set up for. Um, super flow heads and all kinds of stuff like that and it came with the the sds efi and then i said yeah you know what i'll buy it off you because it was affordable from what i thought you know spending the money on efi and and turbo and stuff and thought maybe i'd throw it on a 2.2 type one but you know uh i was looking at the other day and i thought i i should probably sell that because i'm sure somebody could use that versus i look at it and go what do I got to do to modify that to turbo the Type Four? Because you know the bus. If you if you've been watching on Instagram at all, my brother's Instagram, he put a couple of pictures of my bus. We put yeah. a, a roof a roof section in it, so now it's a rag top, yeah, and a, we're going to yeah. do a little bit of uh, revamping on the interior, make it more of a like a mobile podcast bench with a table in the back. Yeah, and you know, update it a little bit. She looks super good, all polished up and, and dialed in again, and. Looking at that that twenty two seventy, I keep thinking like, man, how slick would that be if that thing just had a monster turbo setup on it, you know, yeah. and 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 did some EFI so a guy can dream. And I and this started out like I'm trying to keep this a cheap as as cheap upgrade as possible, but now I'm to the point where it's like, I kind of want what I want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I wanna I want it to sit a little bit lower. Um, I want. Uh, I would love for the th- I, I would love for it to be to have an obscene amount of power, like too much, like more power than a bus really needs, mm-hmm. but be reliable. And I think the one, the way you get that stuff, and people might want to debate this, but I think the way you get that is with turbocharging and fuel injection. Yeah, because then you can precisely charge, you can precisely control the motor's performance. And also wring its neck if you want to, and it's not like like a naturally aspirated motor to get good power out of it. You got to be wringing its neck, and it's got to have high compression. Yeah, you know, turbo setups you can keep fairly low compression, and and if you just want to put it around, you can just put it around, and if you want to boost it, as long as it's strong enough, you can boost the crap out of it. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. There's some there's some things running running around in my head, and I've made some new. Uh, I I made a set of. Uh, molds off of the shroud that i had for that car because they had them in uh sharp built in australia built the fan shroud and so yeah uh, i had a little accident george borrowed my bus one time for buses by the bridge and the oil line caught fire through the through the header and so the original fan shroud i had that he had done for me the, the type 4 fan shroud was a carbon kevlar i don't know if it's real probably real kevlar it's back in mm-hmm. 2001 when i bought it and so that went sideways. And so I happened to run somebody that was doing aluminum casting. So I said, Hey, would you cast me a bunch of these alternator brackets? So I had oh, 10 yeah. alternator brackets cast and then I had the shroud sitting there and I thought, well, I was over at my buddy's place that does off road stuff. And he had all these fiberglass pieces hanging on the wall. And I said, who does your fiberglass stuff? He goes, Oh, this dude, Chewy, he just, you give him what you want. He'll make a mold and make you whatever you want. So I thought, well, I got the shroud off. So I had the guy make me a mold. So now I've got a sharp built style mold to do the 911 style fan shroud for type fours. 
Yeah. I've got a couple Sweet. I've got a couple blanks made, but I could go into production if I wanted to, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one, of, just one of those things. So I might, we might, you know, pull the motor out and uh, do some, just do some upgrading to that thing because I'd love to do, I'd love to do a turbo EFI setup on that Type Four. I, I think besides it being ridiculous, mm-hmm. I just think it would look so cool. And the, the on and door pedder I have allows it to where where the battery tray is. I could relocate the battery to underneath the back seat of the car, and then. Yeah have the turbo intake sitting up in that rear quarter of the bus where the battery sits, have the air intake mm-hmm. up there turbo below the, you know, below the, the deck and then have a boost pipe come up. But I've always been fascinated by the, by the single, the single throttle body setups. I think it'd just be easier from a, yeah, for uh, sure. From yeah. control. If you're going to, that's the way to go. Right. Like it just, it's a lot easier. And, you know, it's easier to tune slightly. And, you know, if you're not building a race monster, it's just a little more drivable, right? Yeah. You have that whole, uh, the plenum there to dampen everything, right? Yeah. yeah. So, why, so I wanted to get back to, you helped me get yeah. the, the, the four piston, uh, Brembo setup that's on my, yeah. that's on my bus, which is Brembo made the, the calipers for the 944 turbos. They're Brembo calipers that are on there. And, when I talked to you about modifying the the hubs, uh, I think I had sent you the hubs, and then you machined them to fit on the bus spindle. I got them back; everything bolted up clean. I've had those. I mean, the reality is, those brakes are so heavy duty. I don't know if I could ever run through a set of brakes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In, the, in the time that I own the car, which is a little bit ridiculous, so I want to talk about brakes in that regard. How do yeah. you? How, how can how can a guy c- control? the proportioning brake pedal pressure all that stuff and then how does it work from the standpoint of master cylinder on down how does that how, how does all how do you calculate all that and how does all that come together yeah so i mean if, on my website you know there's some math on how you do it how you can uh, calculate the math right but in in general it's not that complicated like uh you know a lot of people overthink it and this and that and they talk about the weight distribution the weight balance of a vehicle and but you know that's all static. The, the main thing to remember is when you're braking, there's weight transfer to the front of the car, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of setups are, build, are simple. Like, my Super Beetle Boxster S brakes all around, stock master cylinder, right? Really? And it's fine. Yeah. You know, like, uh, buses I build, uh, you know, a lot of guys <laughs> hate on this, but I build a lot of buses with single uh, circuit master cylinders, early buses, right? Because it works out awesome. There's a prop valve on the end. I pull that off. Because uh, the prop, it's not really a prop valve, it's a residual valve for drums to keep the pedal high. And that works awesome if you want to go to a bay dual master cylinder, right? Yeah. So a lot of that works awesome because uh, like an actual proportioning valve, it, you know, you got to remember, the proportioning valve only reduces pressure, right? right. So it, it basically it just limits your pressure. So let's say you have 1,000 PSI in your system, but you want to reduce that pressure because they, your rear is breaking too much, you can use a proportioning valve to reduce it. So now the front will get 1,000, but the back will get 800, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So all you're doing is reducing pressure, and you can use that to fine-tune. But I think in almost everywhere, it's illegal to have a proportioning valve on a front circuit, on a road car, right? Yeah. Just for safety reasons or whatever, because the front of your car does all the braking for the most part, right? Like, I'd say 70 to 80% of the braking is done by the front of the car, just because of weight sure. transfer. Um, so yeah, it's not that complicated, you know, like I don't need, like, you know, like you get online and forums and stuff, you know, the site, anyone asks a question and all the experts are there, right? 
I try to avoid all that. I, you know, I, if you look at my online presence, it's very low. Like I, I, you know, I respond a little bit here and there. I just got on Instagram last week or so. Like, <laughs> I, I don't do Facebook. So, you know, because, you know, like I'm too busy in the shop, basically, is what I sure, like to say. Right? Sure. So, I mean, so, what you know, you just, it, in terms of balance, you just have to maintain the appropriate ratio, right? So, for the most part, you take brakes off a of Porsche, right? Mm-hmm. Put them on a Volkswagen, they're fine, right? Like, they just, the balance works out. Like, I do tons of Boxster setups, Cayman setups, Boxster S setups. Those are like the, more popular stuff now because right. uh, they're awesome. It's a monoblock caliper. Like the caliper you have is a two-piece bolted caliper. Yeah. And after that, Porsche got into doing the Brembo, Brembo monoblocks, right? So they're all made out of one chunk of steel. They have some fancy machine that can machine a bore while it's all together. It's crazy stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, so those calipers are awesome. And a lot of Boxster guys, you know, Boxsters are 20 years old now, right? right. So you get find a lot of them in the junkyard. And the Boxster guys that keep them up, they want to upgrade to Boxster S. So Boxster calipers are relatively cheap. Like so, I I personally don't go through the hassle of, you know, trying to fix up or rebuild an older caliper. I'll just go find a good shape used Boxster caliper, and I use I do a lot of kits on that, right? Because I can put a Boxster caliper under a 15-inch wheel, so that's pretty popular with all the guys who want to run Fuchs, right? Yeah. If you want to run wheels, we can do something else. Um, so that's what I do a lot of, and like for the like I t- already mentioned it before, I like to pretty much stick OEM. I pretty much build kits over OEM parts, right? I do some Willwood stuff. Uh, I do brackets for that, but you know Willwood, n- n- you got to remember nothing uh, bad on them, but it's they're meant as race parts, so they don't have the dust boots. Right. So it's a stainless um, piston, so you know you're not going to have issues with it, but it just means more maintenance, right? On a race car, they don't put on dust boots because they'll burn up with the heat, right? Yeah. So you can get some Willwoods with dust boots, but for the most part, most Willwoods don't have dust boots. And, you know, so you just, you know, it's not something you're going to drive through the slush and rain and snow and stuff like that. So it's all right, you know, but it's just a maintenance item. So personally, I would prefer OEM. Like, I would rather take a Porsche, a used caliper off a Porsche and put it on, right? So that's kind of what I like. So let's let's walk down the, the path of the Porsche brakes. The Porsche, yeah. the Porsche brakes. Can you tell what brakes are by the color of the calipers? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, like red is, um, like black will be like standard. So, like a bo- plain Boxster is black, and then red would be Boxster S because that's an upgraded brake. It's as bigger calipers. They're vent. They're cross drilled, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, green is hybrid. So all the new Porsches that you see that are green, they're all hybrid. And then yellow is uh, the ceramics, right? The carbon ceramics and Porsche has something new right now, like like 2020 version, where it's a cast rotor but coated in ceramic. Hmm. I forget what it's called, but it's like an intermediate between the regular steel rotors or the cast rotors and the carbon ceramics, right? So it's it's priced in between and it still gives you good performance. So basically, they just they put on a ceramic coating on a steel rotor and it doesn't wear through. Like if it wears through like three or four thousand, it's done, right? But and, they expect to get seventy thousand kilometers out of it, kind of deal. Yeah, and I'm thinking um, on the, I'm thinking the, the the ceramic composite brakes. I mean, short of the, I guess the lightweight is the advantage of them. Yeah. But I mean, I don't see why you would ever need ceramic composite on the street. I think maybe it's more of like a racetrack deal brought to the street to kind of show off a little bit. I mean, I yeah. don't think you'll ever get the brakes hot enough. 
I mean, unless you're, unless you're obviously not on the street, unless you're tracking your car, you're really not going to get your brakes that hot. That's true, right? And, you know, like you'll, even like if you get something hot, like a turbo, like a newer turbo, they don't come with that. Like it's an option to upgrade to a PCB, right? Except I think the GT3s come with it, right? Yeah. So you're right. It's a race part, right? You know, like 10 grand to do your rotors. Come on, right? Yeah. Like it's not something you, you want to have on your maintenance schedule for your, for car you own, right? Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a little that's a little intense. Now, yeah. um, so we were working on the brake kit for my car for my yeah. split window that we're working on, and yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on mine I'm going with the standard Boxster brakes. Yeah, and then Cayenne Cayenne rotors are what I needed. Cayman rotors. Cayman Cayman rotors. Yeah. And just to let people know how cheap they are, I, I hadn't made it to the wrecking yard to go get some Boxster brake, some calipers. I was going to order some online, and then they didn't have. They had like a left and no right. And then I was like, I forget it. And I yeah. happened to be at Octo back in February before all this went to pot. And uh, my brother had scored a set. My fr- Scott comes up to me, and says, "Hey man, did you see the the calipers George got?" And I'm like, "No." He says, "Yeah, he got the black Porsche, uh, some Boxster calipers for like forty bucks for all four. I'm like, oh, "What?" Wait. Yeah, so don't worry. Wow. Don't worry. I cornered George and guilted him into giving them to me because I'm like, bro, what are you doing with those brakes? Like, I don't know. I'm gonna put them on something. I'm like, I need them for my split window. So yeah. I ended up sure. getting a set of uh, you know Boxster four piston uh, calipers for forty bucks. I mean, shoot, even if you go to a wrecking yard out here, the wrecking yard I think they charge twenty bucks for a caliper, ten bucks for a rotor, something like that mm-hmm. for a pick apart. And uh, I mean, that's insanely cheap even if it costs you a hundred a hole you know yeah. for a rotor and caliper to wrecking yard you know if you clean the stuff up and everything seems to be in good shape i think the weight difference with a volkswagen i think it's you know my 944 brakes that i pulled that are on the bull run bus i pulled those i pulled those off in a wrecking yard painted and put them on the car bought new pads and yeah. new rotors and that was it, man. Those things have been yeah. like. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, they're because they're, they're, they're overkill for the lightweight Volkswagens. So yeah. I really so, haven't had any issues with those. And my turbo, I mean, the, the carbon cap brakes are the rotors to give people perspective of the turbo, the Porsche 944 way back in the day, turbo rotors. My front rotors are an inch and an eighth thick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're monsters. They're freaking heavy. They're, I mean, they're they're big, but yeah. you know, listen, it goes in the carbon cab and it needs it because it's all that blistering power that it has. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, no, and you know, like that that you bring up a couple of good points here. One, like when we talked about doing your your split now, you know, that's why I said get some Boxster rotors, right? Because like the stuff, the setup on your bus, that's wicked for a bus, but. I honestly think it's too much for a beetle. It's just extra weight hanging on each corner, right? Yeah. So like those have, like you said, 28 millimeter rotors, whereas the Boxster setup or the Cayman setup you got has a 24. So the rotor weighs like six pounds less, right? So like that's my favorite setup. Cayman rotors, Boxster calipers, you know, and the performance is amazing and it doesn't weigh uh, too much, right? Um, Because, you know, yeah, it can get heavy, right? Like, I did, like I said, I did a came, uh, Cayenne setup for a guy, mm-hmm. like monster, like 14 inch rotors or something like that. That's nice. Like 34 inch, 34 millimeter thick uh, uh, rotors. rotors? Like, Jeez. Yeah. Like a 30, six piston calipers yeah. and all that. <laughs> 34, like, 34 millimeters for my stateside people. 34 millimeters is about yeah. an inch and a quarter, I think, an inch and a quarter thick. Yeah. Um, big. 
Right? Yeah, I mean that's that's a thick, stinking rotor, man, and that's yeah. that's got to weigh 20, 20 pounds on the rotor. Probably more. Yeah, probably more, right? So yeah, for like so something like that, yeah, it looks bling, but it's probably a little too much weight on each corner, if you ask me, right? Yeah. So. No, that's uh, that's insane, man. I uh, I think looking at brake systems on these cars, you know, there's there's so many people putting out brake systems, and I think yeah. the crazy part is the reinventing of the wheel when there's yeah. already decent stuff out there, and you just got to find the path. So I think when people go to VW Engineering, you know, they're able to put together a combination or run something custom that they want to. But you know, the the important thing is being able to get over off the shelf replacement parts for stuff that you mm-hmm. need and to be able to put things back together if they come apart, you know, which some people yeah. don't take that into consideration. And when you buy a, when you buy a custom setup from whoever makes custom setups, it may not be so easy if the place goes out of business or, you know, whatever happens and, and you're unable to get a specific bearing or whatever you might need, which is why I'm a big fan of using, uh, the factory setups. Plus I think, it, yeah. I think they're, they, they look, I don't know. I like the way they look, you know what I mean? I yeah. like, I like a big fat Porsche caliper underneath that, that wheel. Yeah, so. sure. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting that on my split window. Cause my split window has the, uh, it's running the full Mandiola suspension or not Mandiola, but the cool rides, uh, a arm suspension all the way around. Yeah. And, now it'll have the four piston uh, boxer brakes all the way around and the yeah. 2.6 liter type four with 48s on it in the back. And that's wow. just how we're kicking it off. Who knows? It, it may involve, it may evolve into fuel injection and turbo setup because yeah. I, I think that would be pretty insane. I mean, I just I, I keep in my head, I keep thinking turbo, uh, you know, turbo type four. And yeah. a, a buddy of mine that builds type fours here in town is really not a fan of the heads and the in the seating surface and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see if I can keep the keep keep the boost down. But well, I got to get tired of the forty eights first. So I think uh, you know that yeah, light I'd of go- that light of a car, two point six liter, and that light of a car, man, it's just going to toss that thing around like nothing. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like the good thing about EFI is once you have EFI, adding a turbo is no big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, you got to rejet this and rejet that. Most of the time, everything is already there. You know, you just have to make a, a make, do the piping for the turbo and you're good to go, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, what, what's some of the, what's some of the wildest stuff that you worked on? I mean, you've, you said you worked on a, a Cayman setup that a guy did on a, on a Beetle. Is it a Beetle or yeah. a bus? Well, the Beetle was a Cayenne setup. Oh, so, Cayenne. You know, like Cayenne S. So, you know, like the big turbo SUV, yeah, yeah. it was that brake setup, right? So that was pretty wild, you know, but, uh, you know, mo- most people, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come, we'll, we'll have a conversation, right? Like, what are you trying to do with this car? And I'll try and, you know, steer them the right way. I mean, you know, I've, I've done lots of setups on my own personal cars, right? I pretty much every setup that I've ever sold to someone, I've pretty much run on my cars. So I, ha- you know, I have some good experience, but you know, like, uh, it's just like, you know, you know, like people before were all concerned about, you know, having the big power and the nice tranny and all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, you know, that's when Calico was hardcore with 135s in the front. So it wouldn't matter what caliper you had in the front because you had these skinny tires, right? But now, you know, guys are building decent cars with, you know, seven, eight inch wheels all around, good rubber. And it's, it's amazing the difference it can make. Because I remember like when I built my first setup, I went from a 135 
on like stock gear um stock gear brakes to like a good 205 tire on a you know a wide rim with a decent caliper and it was like a new car like yeah. i couldn't believe the difference it made right so you know like like i don't know like i i just do a lot of setups and uh i you know like like i was saying i like challenges so like i, I a lot of people came to me about the boxster setup fitting it under 15s right and with the right combination of rotor and all that and i can do that so that's pretty cool there's a lot of buses especially around toronto that i've done that had that exact same setup right like so yeah it's just you know you can you can stuff a lot because people are scared that you won't fit under a certain wheel or whatever but you can make it fit, fit right yeah but, and i think this i think the 17s are really i mean in my opinion the 17s have the perfect wheel diameter for the profile of the volkswagen you know yeah. It takes, yeah. I mean, going by the Pirelli plus one setup, it's a plus two setup for yeah. a Beetle. You can keep it pretty close to the same stock tire diameter, and then yeah. it just looks a million times better. Just the problem is when you got ugly looking little tiny brake drums or something in there. For yeah, sure. That's that's yeah. not that's not the, so the sometimes best look. you got a nice you got a nice wheel with big open spokes and you almost can't see the brake setup. It's hidden behind the hub, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Wheel. Yeah. right, right. So um, so besides on the on the brake setup, I see on your website you got just a ton of different a ton of different setups. Yeah. So um, if someone calls you up and they're looking to get you know brake adapter for whatever, you keep a, a few parts in stock to where a lot of the easy stuff that you when you go into production you'll make twenty or thirty pieces of something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of the stuff I keep. Well, first off, you look. You said you're looking at my website, so that that website is dated beyond belief. I built it. And I think it hasn't been updated in a decade, right? Right. So there's a lot more stuff I do. I don't, like on Samba, I advertise a little. I should really clean up that website one day, but uh, not enough hours in a day, right? But yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like all, you know, stuff that is more common, like you know, a lot of bus stuff, like a bus bracket kit is pretty basic, right? Like I sell a bracket with some spacers and uh, seals and hardware, and you can take 944 hubs and bolt them onto your bus. Like there's no machining, there's no fanciness, right? So like stuff like that, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I have all that kind of stuff in stock. Uh, some of the hub kits, I, if I'm doing a set, I'll do a whole bunch typically because mm -hmm. it's a lot of machine setup, right? So rather than do a onesie, twosie, you know, I, I'll get core hubs and, you know, I'll do a dozen or, or so. And so I'll have some stuff in stock that, you know, helps with uh, timelines. But uh, for the most part, aside from that stuff, it's pretty much built to order because there's so many combinations, right? Like one guy will call me. And he wants this setup to fit a 15. The next guy is okay with a 16. So now that's a different bracket. It's a different rotor. The hub might be machine different. So there's a lot of combinations. So, you know, for stuff like that, it's usually built to order, right? Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, I, I enjoy the, the variety of what's available, especially, I mean, and that's, a lot of it has to do with the wallet. You know, my first setup, which is on my first bus, that, that one, I think I'd gotten uh, bearing spacers before I knew you. I got bearing spacers from Russ and the brackets, and it yeah. was like for three hundred bucks. I'm running four wheel disc brakes, for sure. Yeah, four four wheel disc brakes and nine forty four brakes at that. You know, I went to the wrecking yeah. yard, pulled all that stuff off, and it was it was dialed in. So really, it's it's brakes at any price point. Now, the the nine forty four stuff do, are they fairly simple to adapt? Let's say an NA nine forty four setup to a yeah. A, a ball joint beetle is that a is that a big well a lot of so work? like yeah so the the it's funny right like the bus 
like late bus, like 64 split and later mm -hmm. into the bays have the exact same bearings as a 944. Like, isn't that wild? Yeah. So like, yeah. So like to adapt it, like you said, all you need are some bearing spacers and a bracket kit and you can literally bolt all that stuff on. Right. Yeah. And you know, like, cause you gotta, you gotta, you gotta remember like what, like if you look at the big picture, when a manufacturer builds a car, they aren't building that bearing. Right. Yeah. They're looking at the load characteristics that ne they need for that particular application. They go into the Timken catalog and say, all right, this bearing will work for us. And they take that bearing and they design their parts around it. So Timken makes that bearing. So another manufacturer does the same thing. And like and so they, you'll find it's kind of crazy. You, like when you get into it, you'll find a lot of interchangeability, like the same bearings on a Porsche 944 fit a Volkswagen bus will fit a Ford Mustang, for example, right? Really? Or a, or a Chevy Citation. Yeah. Like, it's weird stuff, right? So that's how, guys, you know, if you do your, your, your homework and your measuring, you can take a rotor off, uh, like I said, a, like not a Ford Mustang, a Ford Granada, like late 70s. Yeah. Take that rotor, pop it on your Volkswagen bus, make a bracket, and you got yourself your own brake kit, right? So it's wild like that, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of that. So... Um, Buses are relatively simple because you don't have to really get into the hub machining and all that. Those bearings are the same. You might have to space them. You make a bracket. That's your kit. A beetle is different. The beetle bearings are smaller. So that, that's a little more work. So what I do is I machine out the stock Porsche hub, mm -hmm. uh, shrink fit a sleeve. So I heat the hub, put my uh, inserts on, uh, on uh, dry ice, right? Because dry ice is like minus 80 or minus 90 degrees. Yeah. So the... The inserts will shrink, the hubs will expand, pop them together. Once they're in there, they're married for life. And then machine them back to beetle bearings. So now you, you have a hub that's machined, yes, but it uses stock beetle bearings, it uses stock seals. You, you know, all the parts are all stock. You use a stock rotor, stock caliper. So the hub is machined, but everything else is regular consumable parts, right? So in the long run, you know, you're not worried about custom parts, right? So on your so you're saying you make the 944 hub you you modify yep. a front hub to use stock beetle bearings and slide onto a ball joint spindle. Yep. And does it does it use the existing uh, caliper ears that are on the the ball joint disc brake spindle? It depends what you're doing, right? Uh -huh. So uh, there are some brackets I can do where you can I can make like if you let's say like similar to what you did with your car, mm -hmm. like that's what I did with your hubs. I'm, yeah, that's what I did with your hubs on your split. I machined them all and uh, send, send you the hubs and a caliper bracket that bolts onto the stock ear and then your Porsche caliper bolts to that, right? So it's relatively right. painless. But what I prefer doing for other setups just because there isn't enough room is I'll go off a drum spindle because with the drum spindle, you have those three bolts or four bolts if it's a super beetle, right. and that's a perfect perfect spot for me to park my caliper bracket so now I can send you a hub and a caliper bracket. It'll bolt onto a drum spindle, dropped or stock, right? And then that's all there is to it, right? Oh, so it's actually, so people don't even need to go buy. It's it's more cost effective. They just start with a drum spindle and you can modify it just as well as you can a, as, a, as a disc brake spindle. So they don't need to go get a disc yep. brake spindle. Yeah. All right. right. No, the, bearings are the, same, the bearings are the same, Bill. Drum, really? and, drum and disc, same bearings, same spindle. Same with like Super Beetle, Type 4, um, regular Beetle. It's all the same, hmm. right? So there's a lot of, that's why I mean, there's a lot of interchangeability once you start looking at things. And, uh, you know, you can play with that, right? Figure yeah. it out. 
No, right. absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the the VW people are constantly looking for the most cost-effective way to do some things. And yeah. I think, you know, 944 brake setup is super cost-effective, you know, yeah. especially if you can go to the wrecking yard and then uh, just call call somebody up and get the hubs from them. And yeah. does the rear hub need to be modified or is this 944 stock hub just go right on to? Uh, on, on the IRS, it goes straight on. It goes right on. And what about a link pin? I mean, not link pin, but a swing, a swing axle. axle. Yeah. On a short swing axle, you got to machine um, the hub, because and you got to machine the back plate too, because where the bearing is mm-hmm. uh, is slightly different. So if you take a stock, let's say a stock nine hundred forty four, put it on short axle, you'll have issues. The, that little bearing at the end will be dancing around a little. Okay. So and then a, a like a sixty seven long axle swing axle. Still yeah. needs to be modified to fit on that. Uh, 67 is a lot easier. You don't have to modify the hub, and I sell a little shim for the for the bearing. So you don't have to m- modify the uh, back plate either. Because we do have the 1967 uh, VW giveaway beetle that we're doing for Let's Talk Dubs. We picked out a cherry. I found a cherry 67 bug out here that we're going to be building this year to give away. And nice. uh, we're going to, it's going to be kind of a garage level build, just a lot of yeah. bolt on parts and, and it's a super clean car to begin with. So we might hit yeah. you up for some adapters on something like that yeah. to, uh, for sure. to yeah, go get some 944 brakes on that thing. If we're going to do some, yeah. some alloys or uh, I like, uh, you know, in, in my head, I've been trying to figure out the best way to lace up that car to make it look good. And for sure we want to do disc brakes on it. Cause I like disc yeah. brakes, you know, on, <laughs> on everything just because they're easy yep. to mod. Yep. Uh, now what about uh, type three, type three spindles? How do those vary from a regular type one spindle? So like, again, the actual spindle axis, the spindle axle and the bearings, etc., all the same, same as type one, same as super beetle. Right. Really? Yeah. So I, I machined the hubs the same way. And then I just, the bracket would be slightly different. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I just the other day I did a type three, 944 turbo right so the hub's pretty much this done the same way and just the bracket is different right? a type 3 944 turbo yeah what kind of power is you running that thing to push those big brakes <laughs> i'm not sure I've, I've done a bunch of those actually really for type threes yeah. yeah a bunch and even did one uh did a couple setups for those drop spindles remember that guy was making those drop spindles for type 3 bird type 3 yeah the guy out of europe yeah i did quite a few of those too so yeah really yeah, that's a big. I mean, listen, I got nine forty four turbo brakes on the on the carbon cab. Those are big, yeah. stinking. Those, yeah. You just got you just got to lift one of those rotors because you got to be yeah. a man. You got to be a man to lift those rotors. But you know, listen, <laughs> it plants the front end. That's for sure. You know, it gives yeah, you. Sure. It probably adds fifty pounds to the front end of the car. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it. They're big. They are. I was shocked when I saw how big those rotors. I mean, they look like commercial truck rotors that are going on that thing. How how thick they are, yeah. especially when you're used well, to looking at the puny vw uh yeah stuff yeah the vw thin stuff that's not the solid rotors that aren't even vented yeah. you know when i when i was first building the gear i'd bought some of those csp front vented rotors and then they mm-hmm. sent me the upgraded calipers which is basically a gear caliper with a spacer in the middle for the vented rotor yeah and then i end up you know going with a with a different brake setup on the type 34 but uh i've got another 34 on deck right now mm-hmm. that is patiently waiting for the project that wasn't on the list, which was the bull run bus, which is the redo on that. So mm-hmm. um, we're uh, we're waiting to get back. Every time I walk by that project, I'm like, I really should be working on this thing and yeah. everything else. And then I've got the 67 
67 bug that we're going to be uh, building to give away to our group. So um, I, I got to pick your brain on the 34 just because yes. I got a buddy who's got one and he's, he's doing it up sure. just for parts and stuff like that. And in general, if anyone knows something reasonable, I'm dying for 34. I've been looking for like years. I've never found anything decent up here, right? Well, like, uh, there, was the one, car, huh? there was one really close to you. The one that I bought was in Kalispell, Montana, which is 90 miles from the Canadian border. Wow. And it was it was on the Samba. It was yeah. for sale, you tell me. And I shot the guy an offer. Yeah. Uh, I think I paid 3500 bucks for it. And it was wow. a complete it's a complete car, needed work, needed full restoration, but it's pretty solid. The one quarter panel's been been uh, rippled up on it a little bit. But you know, the thing with the thing with type thirty fours in my opinion, I've always said that I think they're hugely undervalued. Um, mm-hmm. they're they're literally it's like driving uh you know, it's like driving a little sports car, a VW sports car, and um they're worth in my opinion, it's worth you know saving ten to fifteen grand and yeah. buying a decent driver to start with, because yeah. it's going to save you. You know, you, uh, the the best money is always spent on the purchase. That's where you get the best deal. I mean, mine I paid thirty five hundred bucks for mine, and it's complete. And again, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's just because I'm just such a cheap wad. But I mean, my <laughs> first one I paid forty five hundred dollars for that one, and that was in two thousand two. You know, wow. and I thought, yeah. like, man, I can't believe I'm paying forty five hundred bucks for this Type Thirty Four Gia. But yeah. they're, I mean, as rare as they are, there's a lot of them out there. But it seems that people, when they get them, they hold on to them. I think six months ago there was uh, four or five of them for sale on the Samba and one guy's storage <laughs> unit, and he wanted ten grand for all of them. Wow, which was which was a deal. Um, I don't know who ended up with them, but I mean, some of them were obviously roached out. I think the cars were in the Southeast somewhere, Yeah, but, you know, shoot for 10 yeah, grand. They pop up even up here. Like the one my buddy bought two years ago, yeah. popped up right in Toronto area. And then the funny thing is within like a few days, another one popped up for sale yeah. in Toronto area. So it, like it was crazy. Right. And so he grabbed that one. It's really nice. But, uh, yeah, I, that's, I always like those things. I, I wouldn't mind one of those one day. Yeah, it's it's worth it on a Type Thirty Four. Buy the yeah. best one that you can. I mean, yeah. the, the one that sold over here to Tim Seward that went through Barrett Jackson. I did a little live, uh, a live thing from Barrett Jackson when this one that had sixty thousand original miles went through the auction, and that car was super clean, probably the nicest one I've seen, being all original and all that. And Tim Seward bought it, and I think the week after he bought it he blew the motor up in it <laughs> oh wow it's like such a drag but yeah. you know uh, type 34s are starting to go for the money that that i believe that they've been worth you know so yeah they're uh i tell you a funny story i was i happened to be sitting there kind of groggy on instagram looking around and i ran across a guy had a brazilia for sale and i like these goofy looking volkswagens right me too, me too. I, w- I want to have the weirdest car to show that's i like that stuff right yeah there. so there, there's a brazilia for sale and I hit this guy up and I just said, Hey, um, and I'm like, ah, I don't need another car. I've got, I mean, right. Or currently right now in the stable, I've got my two buses, my split windows in the shop, type 34 gear on deck, the 67 giveaway bug. I've got a 67 square back, you know, and I've got all these, and those are just Volkswagens. Then I've got other V8 cars and stuff like that. I mean, I, I got an army of stuff, but 
I saw this guy's Brasilia pop up on Instagram and it's for sale. And it was, I think he's asking 8,500 or something like that. And mm-hmm. I looked at it and I thought, ah, it's not too bad of a deal. And so it was, the, it was, this was the weirdest transaction over DM I ever had. And I said to the guy, I said, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm interested on the type 34. Do you have, uh, what's the status on the motor? And you know, the guy says, tells me that the motor's got probably 20,000 miles. And I said, how's it set for rust? And he says, and I, he says, Oh, it's not that much rust. So I'm like, all right, cool. And then I responded. So here's where it got weird. So I said to the guy, I want to read it to you. Cause it's, it's just so it's the oddest exchange I've ever had. And so I said to the guy, I said, um, I don't see him. Hold on. That's my wrong Instagram. So I hit him up, asked him about the car. Is there any rust? What's the deal on it? And he says, no, uh, no rust. Engine's got 20,000 miles on it. So I said, all right, cool. This is four days ago. Mm-hmm. I said, how is the Brasilia as far as rust goes? How fresh is the motor? No rust holes. Pans are good. Motor's about four years old with 20,000 miles on it. Runs great with freeway flyer. I'll send more pics when I get back to California on Thursday. I said, cool. I said, pics of the engine compartment and under the hood and dash. And he says, cool, will do. Thank you, and you're welcome to me. And I thought, I didn't, I didn't think I was being rude. I thought, I maybe, you know, people say thank you, and you're welcome, or something like that. And I said, oh, yeah. and I was just kind of like, oh, and then I haven't got any pictures. But now, luckily, I'm reading this, and I'm seeing he's he's not in town. He'll get back Thursday. So, who knows, man, there still could be, uh, yeah, there, there could be something in my future. And I don't even know why I like a Brasilia. You know what? I saw one of the one of the ones that they build out in England, the Type Two Detectives guys. Yeah, this was like more than ten years ago, and that thing was amazing. After I saw that, I said, "I want a Brazilia too, right?" Yeah, the white one on the Fuchs. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm those guys you. built some mean cars out there, man. But the well, Europeans are something else. But that's well, a different conversation. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, when you see, and that's what pushes a lot of this, and and I don't know if. You know, the 944, I mean, the, the the original bus that inspired my bus was out of Europe and it was sitting on platinum twists and it was sealing wax and chestnut. And then I thought, I really dig the look of that. No one in here in the States has got a German look mm-hmm. bus. And so that's where I came up with the twists and the, and the, and the disc brakes. And it's like, you can't put disc, the big twists and have some cheesy looking drum brakes. You got to do the big brakes. Yeah. And I think in Europe, a lot of the stuff they do is based on regulation. It's got to be an OEM part on the car. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's got to be OEM to that car, but you see a lot of the stuff that they do in Europe is all OEM crossover stuff. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, and I think maybe that's what drives some of the uh, innovation that comes from Europe because they're, they're forced. That's where the whole, at least to my understanding, the, the, the poking stance comes from, you know, like they call it stance or poke. You know yeah, where, yeah. where the wheels are sticking out, and I guess this is my layman's understanding of where the origins of that comes from is in uh, in Germany, the tread of the tire cannot go past the fender. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they get wider they wheels the, the and they stretch yeah. the tire, you know, yeah. so that it fits but, within yeah, the wheel. You know wall. what? Like those guys are serious out there. Like in England, I know because I have family in England. You got to do the MOT test. Yeah. And they put the car on a dyno, run it, and then brake. And the dyno actually checks how much the car the car's braking performance is, right? 
Really? So if it's not that good, you fail the MOT, and you got to do that at least once a year, or maybe even every six months. Like they're serious about it. And same with uh, Germany. Like Germany, you got the TUV. So mm-hmm. after a certain horsepower rating, you actually need an engineer to sign off on your brakes. Like so, you can't build a 2275 on drum brakes. Like that car will never see the light of road, right? Yeah. So you actually like they they tell you based on this horsepower level, you need to do this and pass a certain horsepower level. You can't even register the car. Like they're serious, right? Whereas like in Ontario, like when I was in Ontario, it wasn't so bad. You have to do a safety certificate. Mm-hmm. Out here in Alberta, it's like. I don't know how it is by you. I can basically buy any car and register it. There's no questions asked. <laughs> so you know, what I mean? so so you're in the you're in the you're in kind of the backwoods part of Canada out there where it's a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 in I'm way up, I'm in North Alberta, Fort McMurray. It's literally the end of the highway. Like it's cold up here, long winters. Yeah, and uh, like crazy long winters. Like in the winter, we're looking at minus forty Celsius, which is probably about minus forty Fahrenheit or colder. Like oh. it's cold, right? Yeah. So that's why I get a lot of shop time. I got a shop there. I put on the stove and, you know, I hit the shop. Like, you know, I, I have, like, I think a, a lot of, like, the, a lot of the innovation you see in cars or whatever in general, but for me, cars, because that's my thing. Right. A lot of that stuff comes from the colder countries, right? Like, look at the Swedes. Like, you see the kind of cars those guys build? Because they got <laughs> six months or seven months of winter. Same up here in Canada, right? Yeah. Like, we got seven, six, seven months of winter. So we're in our garages. So we get a lot of build time, right? But at the same time, like you're saying, Volkswagen owners are economical. You know, like if you're in, like where you are in Vegas or Cali, you're driving the car all year round. Maybe you'll spend the money. Yeah. Here, when you drive the car for five months a year, it's kind of hard to justify to the wife that you want to drop three grand on this or that, right? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm up here in Canada. I do a lot of stuff with the local guys. But honestly, the bulk of my stuff goes to uh, goes to Europe and the U.S., right? Really? Yeah, and Australia actually a lot of especially with the dollar being good for the Australians now. Yeah, yeah. So just to let our listeners know, yeah. if they're looking to do any kind of factory bolt-on brakes, you do everything yeah. from Type One, Type Two to Type Three, yeah. any kind of brake setup that anybody wants. If it's OEM nine eleven, OEM nine forty four, whatever. Um, yeah. Do you do other than Porsche stuff? I mean, can you really be like if if somebody's just got to have Mercedes brakes on it? Can you make those work? Or yeah, I've done some stuff. Uh, you know, I used to do a lot of five on a uh, five on one hundred uh, golf stuff, right? Just because those wheels were popular. Like I we used to make billet hubs and all that, so I can do basically anything, right? And you know, like and for the local guys, I've done a lot of stuff that's not Volkswagen. Like you said, you have a Datsun. One of my buddies has a five ten. I don't know what. Put some RX-7 brakes on a 510. I don't know. Weird stuff, right? Right. So I can do all kinds of stuff. I, I, I did a kit for, I put like 06 Mustang brakes on a 67 Mustang or something along those lines. Anyway, I've done all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I can pretty much do a lot of stuff. But for the Volkswagens, I, I just focus mainly on the Porsche stuff, right? But I can do stuff. If you want to throw an idea at me, I'm more than receptive to it, right? Like I, like I said, I like that stuff. I like having CAD calculator and caliper and just figuring stuff out, right? Yeah, because uh, yeah. a lot of people will have, uh, you know, a lot of people might want to build a car around a set of wheels. You know, they've yeah. got a set of wheels, like love these wheels, and maybe they bought some rotiforms or something like that that you don't see normally. So yeah. in respect to even doing the 944, so if, somebody, if somebody's got a set of wheels they want to put on their car and they want to do a 944 setup but drill the pattern differently, Mm-hmm. Is that a possibility, or do you d- does it depend on what what hub center you're using? You know yeah, I mean? you can make 
combinations work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, but like with the pore stuff, there's no there's no real space to re-drill. So right. you're looking at making a new hub from scratch. Like mm-hmm. I can do it, a billet hub, but it's not cheap, right? Sure. So I mean, there's lots of options. But usually, what I tell people is start with the wheel. If you pick a wheel and you know it's let's say five on four and a half, right, or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's the wheel you want to run. I said, all right, best bet here and most efficient is let's design a brake setup that's already that bolt pattern. Take you know like take it off like a a, a, a Nissan something, right? Sure. Same bolt pattern. So now you got a stock rotor, stock caliper, and all that jazz. Replacement parts aren't custom. And, you know, that's in the long run, that's probably a better way to do it, right? Like, and, and I've done stuff like that, like four-wheel disc brake setups for guys with one particular bolt setup. Like I yeah. did an RX-7 brake setup for a guy on a bug. And uh, that's the wheel, that's the bolt pattern he wanted. So we did RX-7 on it. You know, and those are kind of cool calipers, the aluminum four-piston too. Sure. So it's all doable, right? Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's for sure. I just wanted to get that out there so that the listeners know if they need anything, you know, when wintertime comes up and you'll be out there cooking away and making some breaks and stuff, yeah, might, sure. as, might as well keep you busy, you know. Yeah. So what's the what's best way? So you said you're now on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, VW Engineering Canada, right? Okay. And the website's VWEngineering.com. And then they can get they can get to you through that and you have an email address that you want to throw out in case people have any questions or whatnot that they can shoot to you yeah my first name is lanner l-a-n-n-e-r at vdubengineering.com cool so yeah anybody's got any break questions and things to that extent man they can for sure send that to you because you can help people on their on the homegrown level that want to yeah. do custom yeah. one-off break setups and yeah you know there's, there's lots you can do right and you know and it's uh you know like 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 I said before, like this is it's a glorified hobby for me because I like it. You know what I mean? I love Volkswagens. I like when people restore them. I like when people drive them most of all, right? Yeah. Like uh, some guys have show cars and they never drive them, and that irks me bad, right? Yeah. We're going for a cruise. Bring out the dub. Let's hit it, right? And uh, so, yeah, you know, just everyone's got to keep wrenching, right? That's it. That's it. And yeah. so the, the biggest the the biggest city close to you is Alberta's, or I mean Edmonton is close. Yeah. Right. To- yeah, so there's a scene down there. They have a, like one show a year, yeah. um, and then there's one in Calgary, which is pretty big. Calgary's a, a fun show to go to because uh, you know Ken, right? Ken King. Yeah, yeah, he's out of Calgary, and he'll always bring out something crazy, right? And uh, so he's got all those barn doors and he, Unimogs and all kinds of cool cars, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, so there's there's a couple of things, but it's not it's not as uh, as as vibrant as as it was in Toronto, right? Yeah. Toronto has a lot of scenes, a lot of cars. They had quite a few shows. I mean, this year is different, obviously, but uh, it's it's a lot a lot stronger vibe down there, you know. And you know, I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of looking to move back there. Just get back there, family and everything is over there, right? Yeah, sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. But I keep busy here. I mean, you know, in like in town here where I live, I maybe one or two Volkswagens I've seen. There's like you- nothing going. And you haven't I'm found like, any old ones hiding out nowhere? I've been looking. I actually I found a single cab a couple of years ago. I fixed it up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's some out there, but uh, yeah, I'm the only crazy guy with old cars out here, old Volkswagens out here. There's there's no cars and coffee every Saturday out there where you're at where all the car guys go meet up and hang out. No, I haven't been able they had a car show and uh th- there's some cars. There's there's some old cars in town, right, in general. But maybe one, like one or two Volkswagens. There's nothing much, but it's okay. Well, I man, keep busy. 
Lanner, man, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I mean, I've been wanting to, we, I've been trying to track you down for a while to chat about yeah, this. And, and yeah, get, it's been about six months. We've been trying to schedule something out. So. It is. It is. Yeah, it's, it's good to come on. It, it's, yeah, man. Thank you for doing the podcast. Honestly, it keeps me hyped, man. I love when a new episode comes out. I'm listening to it. And you know what's the first thing I do after I listen to a podcast? What's that? Get in the shop, man. <laughs> that's get it. in the shop and do some work. And that's the purpose of this thing, man, is to get, you yeah. know, to, to get to get people hyped just like the magazines do and stuff like that, yeah. to get us excited and motivated about our projects so we can get out there and turn some wrenches, you know. Yeah, man. So, man, I, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast for sure. And uh, when you come out with anything new or you want to come up with some other stuff that you're doing and hopefully uh, your website's got plenty of information on there, but I know that uh, – you know, you'll get some more fine tuning on there and for sure we'll yeah. get some people over there on Instagram checking you out. And yeah, uh sure. by all means, hopefully I get to see you at a show sooner or later, man. Last uh last show I saw you at was probably five five or six years ago, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Well, you like Cali was like it's Cali's always fun when we come down. But once they, they did that whole classic Prado thing, it got a little confusing, right? Because before it worked out well for like people who are flying in from all over, because you'd come down you know, on a Wednesday, you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and right. then you head back home, right? Like, you could jam it on in, and you'd see people from all over. You'd see Japanese guys, the Australians, the UK guys, right? Yeah. So now, with, like, the way it is now, it's a little confusing. Which one do you come for, and which open house will be open, you know, like, but... Uh, yeah, it's really... Yeah, it's, for sure. That the obviously since you listen to the podcast, you know that's been a that's been a point of contention for me that I yeah. really don't like things that water down the scene because, you know, I was with this year with everything going on, I'm I'm sitting here looking at all the time that I've got that I'm not out of town and I'm thinking, geez, I'm not even out of town and and normally by this time I've gone to four shows this year and yeah. it's I, it's like I'm fighting for weekends to see starting in Kelly Park and going through to Octo and the Classic and you know, all the other shows that are going on. And now with this year being so dead with the shows, mm-hmm. um, we're hoping everything, everything stays the way it is. We're going to be moving forward with our show at, uh, at the Orleans hotel and casino. We're just, uh, you know, we just got another little setback from our governor. So if, if that hopefully lightens up over the next couple months and we're allowed to have the crowd that we want to have over there, um, it's going to be probably a short ramp up, but we're going to do a serious blitz of marketing and try to get yeah. a ton of people down here. And, and we're still shooting for that weekend of October, October 15th through the 18th for a big VW mm-hmm. show down here in Las Vegas. So, uh, block out your calendars. I, I wish I could guarantee it right now, but unfortunately I can't guarantee it, but yeah, man, if you get a chance to come down here, cause you know what? The best thing yeah. about Vegas, it's always cheap to come to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll keep my ear open. I mean, they still got to open up the border up here, right? So right. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> not, they're not letting us out yet. <laughs> we might have to yeah. smuggle you guys over here. Well, yeah, cool. Sure. Lanner, man, it's been great having you on the podcast. And right, uh, nice for sure, let's right. uh, let's uh, let's do this again, buddy. All right? All right, man. All right. Yeah. Later. Well, I hope you guys liked that podcast and were able to learn as much as you can about bolt-on brake kits that you can make on the cheap getting some conversion parts and pieces, or if you want your one-off custom stuff, reach out to Lanner at VW Engineering. He's a cool cat, and he supplied my carbon cab with the stuff that I have, so I have the big daddy brakes on there. Also, guys, you want to support, don't forget, new shirts out on the website, letstalkdubs.com, and if you have any questions, hit me up at bill letstalkdubs.com. We'll ask your question on the podcast and maybe see if some guys want to answer besides me, but who else cares besides me, right? Nobody. Well, until next week, guys, later. Station wagon to have a